everyone, welcome to Poetry Says, I'm Alice. I'm recording this episode today after a chat I had with a friend who listens to the podcast and he said it'd be really good if you could do an episode on how to get into poetry. And that was a really exciting question to me, not only from the perspective of getting the chance to introduce poetry to someone, but also because it means that maybe there are other people out there who are listening who don't write poetry and don't even read that much poetry, but just want a little bit more poetry in their lives. So this one's for you, or this is for any of those poets out there listening who have friends who say those magic words, I just don't get poetry. I don't understand it. And I think that statement really comes from bad high school experiences, essentially, from having to churn out essays about poems that they didn't understand and being really stressed out. We've all had those experiences and uh, I think they take quite a bit of time to recover from because it's one thing to feel stupid in a maths class but it's a particular kind of shame to feel like you don't understand artwork that somebody's made with your own language or a language that you speak. So. Yeah, I, I suspect there are some recovering poetry fans out there or, uh, you know, people for whom this is kind of a painful topic. It reminds me actually of this chat I was having with a mum the other day and she has a 15-year-old boy who is not very academic. He's a huge Instagram star. He's making heaps of money on Instagram, posting pictures of sportswear. But he sits at the kitchen table with his English homework, with his head in his hands, saying, I'm just rubbish. I'm just rubbish. Um, Which I completely understand that feeling. Totally. We've all been there. And I'm just thinking, you know, this young guy may be having experiences right now that mean that he never goes back to read poetry or even potentially fiction. He might just not read anymore. So yeah, I think it takes some pretty talented teaching to kind of navigate the complexities of being a 15 year old guy and also trying to get your head around the basics of poetry. So in short, let go of the idea that you need to have huge amounts of academic knowledge to have an opinion about poetry. Your opinion is completely legitimate as much as it would be if you walked into an art gallery and you walked up to an impressionist painting and you thought this is beautiful or you thought this is incredibly boring. Both those opinions are really legitimate. We make these judgments all the time about art and about movies and about music. We have responses to these things and we have opinions and that's not because we went and did art history or film studies, that's because we're people and these are artworks made for people to respond to. So I'm not sure what it is specifically about poetry that makes it seem like it's um, inside this walled garden where you have to have the secret password to get in. But the fact is you don't. You can just read any poem and you can have any response to it and uh, that's legitimate. That's completely legitimate. So in terms of actually finding and reading poetry, the best analogy I could think of is treat it a little bit like when you fire up your Netflix library or you fire up 
the iTunes store, just browsing and reaching out to anything that appeals to you is completely fine. I would really caution against thinking, okay, well, I've got to start with this anthology of 16th century English literature um, or the complete works of Shakespeare before I can read any stuff that's actually interesting to me. That's just going to cause you to stop before you even begin if you're not interested in that because it's a completely different way of writing. It's a completely different type of English and it's pretty likely that you'll get turned off. So it's all right not to start there. It's completely fine. You can you can read Shakespeare anytime. You can save it for jail if you want to. Um, you can save it for your desert island reading. Better that you read any poetry at all than, than have read the complete works of Shakespeare, I would say. So I'm going to give you my ideas for starting points, but just remember that these are my starting points. These are my ideas as a 33-year-old Australian white woman just from my little corner of the world. Um, not necessarily a representative list, not necessarily a good list, just just my ideas. So starting off with Robert Frost. Now when I put the question out on Twitter to other poets about how they would introduce a poetry virgin to poetry, um, Benjamin Dodds, who you're going to meet in a couple of weeks, said, oh, what about some Frost? Which I thought was a brilliant idea. I really love Robert Frost. Um, he's, ve he's very uncool. So if you want to if you want the, the latest, hippest poetry as your starting point, this is not where you should begin. But um, I think there's a lot to be said for the way that his work captures. It, it seems to do so many things at the same time. He seems to capture moods and landscapes and people, but also there always seems to be some kind of... He, he's saying something else. I'm not quite sure how he manages to do that when he's generally talking about you know, picking apples or mending a wall. He always seems to be talking about something else. The poem that I thought of when Benjamin suggested Robert Frost was Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, which is really simple, quite short, um, but I'm hoping has an ability to appeal to you immediately just because the language is so beautiful. So this is what it sounds like. Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. So yeah, I don't know if that will appeal to you just because it is so, it's so of its time. I mean, there's a guy riding a horse in the snow. It's not exactly um, applicable to most people's lives at the moment, but I love how it's kind of, it seems pretty straightforward. There's a guy riding home. He looks into the woods, watches the snowfall, 
And then he has this moment thinking the woods are lovely, dark and deep. Like he, he maybe wants to just wander on in there. I'm not sure why. I always kind of thought of it as like he is a little bit nihilistic. Like maybe he just wants to just walk in there and keep walking and just let what happens happen. But then he changes his mind and he says, I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. And you never figure out why he stops. You never know why he doesn't go into the woods and goes back to keep his promises. So I thought that might be a nice starting point, perhaps. And if you like Frost, then there are so many classics written by him that you can, that you can find just by following that particular thread. Now, continuing on the theme of US poets, this is a pretty US heavy list, I'm afraid. That's just my particular skew, unfortunately. But um, this one, I think it kind of transcends any, any particular country, just because it's such an amazing poem. And it's important to many, many people all around the world, I would say. It's by Elizabeth Bishop, who we chatted about in an early episode with Michelle Seminara. We talked about her poem, The Snail. But this is one in the form of a villanelle. And a villanelle just means you've got lines that repeat and sort of link together throughout the poem. So again, like the Frost poem, you've got you've got kind of a, a form to work with, but that's not really as important as the content of the poem. And this is kind of like a life in a poem, like an entire life history. So here it goes. This is called One Art. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost, that their loss is no disaster. Lose something every day. Accept the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther, losing faster. Places and names and where it was you meant to travel. None of these will bring disaster. I lost my mother's watch. And look, my last or next to last of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones, and vaster some realms I owned, two rivers, a continent. I miss them, but it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you, the joking voice, a gesture I love. I shan't have lied. It's evident the art of losing's not too hard to master, though it may look like, write it, like disaster. It's hard not to love that poem, I think. She's talking about a life that was so marked by loss and she's doing it in a way that is so restrained. She's almost joking in parts, you know. I miss them, but it wasn't a disaster. She sounds so relaxed about it, but you know that underneath those lines there is a huge sense of tragedy, I suppose. And at the end, it's really interesting the way she inserts that little phrase, write it, like she's forcing herself to finish this poem. She's got to force herself to put it down on the page. So not the happiest of poems to start your poetic reading career, but I just think it has 
so much emotional heft I think it's such a powerful poem I think it could be could be one that that wins you over perhaps so obviously I wanted to include some Aussies on this list and there were so many that I considered I was thinking about maybe a David Brooks poem or maybe even going back to look at Dorothea McKellar's My Country which is I can feel the uh, eye rolls from here at that one but the stanzas that haven't been used in car commercials are actually pretty amazing. So, I don't know, maybe if, you, if you're feeling a bit patriotic one day, maybe go back and, and have a bit of a read and see what you think of it with fresh eyes, perhaps. Um, but the one that I, that I keep coming back to and turning this question over in my mind is um, by Gwen Harwood, who came up when we were chatting to Stuart Barnes and apparently Stu actually went to church with Gwen and Gwen sort of took a look at him one day and said you're a poet which is pretty amazing but Gwen seemed to live kind of a double life as a lot of female poets have throughout history as both a poet and a mother and housewife and this poem I'll, I'll just read parts of it it's such a great one because it's just like this rage underneath it um, even though it's quite, again, like the Frost poem, quite simple, quite, quite restrained, I suppose. So it's called Burning Sappho. The clothes are washed, the house is clean. I find my pen and start to write. Something like hatred forks between my child and me. She kicks her good new well-selected toys with spite around the room and whines for food. Inside my smile a monster grins and sticks her image through with pins. The child is fed and sleeps. The dishes are washed. The clothes are ironed and aired. I take my pen. A kind friend wishes to gossip while she downs her socks. Scandal and pregnancies are shared. The child wakes and the rector knocks. Invisible inside their placid hostess, a fiend pours prussic acid. I love this because it's like Gwen is putting all her secrets and all her repressed frustration and hatred into this one poem. It's pretty great. It's pretty amazing. If you're not into rhyme and if you're not into meter, this will probably be a turn off for you though, which is completely fine. Um, I totally get it. And uh, as a counter to that, I wanted to read you another one of my favorites from from the Australian poet Dorothy Porter, who we talked about with Lisa Brockwell the other week. This is my favourite Dorothy Porter poem. And it's got a lovely mix of rhyming form and then it goes into free verse, which essentially just means there's no rules in terms of line length or rhyme or anything like that. So this is called Lucky and it's dedicated for Andy. There's a damp melancholy in Tang poetry that smudges the lovely jade precision. I love Walt Whitman's spunky company, but under his bardic whistling, I can hear his lonely heart howling at the turned back of some deaf rough trade. So many poets starve in the cold fairy spaces between their frostbitten ears. How lucky I am to hear you, darling, coming up the stairs to smell the coffee floating ahead of you like my favorite incense. I love that not just because of the masterful way that Porter does her rhyme 
and meter in the first two stanzas with everything kind of clicking together like damp melancholy in tang poetry that smudges the lovely jade precision um, but also she's kind of making fun of herself and of her art form so many poets starve in the cold fairy spaces between their frostbitten ears kind of like there's nothing between these people's ears they're just they're so um airy fairies so up in the clouds and then in that last stanza talking about how lucky I am to hear you darling coming up the stairs to smell the coffee floating ahead of you she comes back to earth there she kind of says you know all this poetry stuff is great but really it's just nice to have somebody make you a coffee and that's one of Porter's many many strengths and she's someone I would really encourage you to read if you're at all interested in Australian poetry because she's never going to make you feel too lost or too unmoored she's never going to bamboozle you with too much vocabulary that you might need to run to the dictionary to look up that it's definitely there she's definitely um, incredibly well read and she uses a lot of really interesting language but I think there's there's simplicity there too and I think there's there's a lot of reality and a lot of really beautiful but grounded moments to be found in her poems. So I didn't want to end this list without including somebody who's writing right now and after thinking through many many options I finally remembered this poem that I heard on Poetry Foundation's podcast a couple of years ago now maybe. Um, it's called Praise Song by Nate Marshall and if Bishop's poem is a life in a poem then I would say this is a moment in a poem. It's very much a poem of the moment, of now. It's very uncompromising and yeah just very real, just very open about what it is and what it's trying to do and I think it's completely successful in what it tries to do. I'm not going to read the whole thing mainly because Nate Marshall reads it on Poetry Foundation's website and it just sounds so great when he reads it but the first few lines go like this praise the Hennessy the brown shine the dull burn praise the dare the take it the no face you're supposed to make praise the house its many rooms hardwood and butter leather couches its richness Praise the rich, their friendship. Praise the friends, the child of the well-off, the child of the well-off, the child of well, the child of welfare, the child of welfare. Praise the diversity, but praise the Hennessy, and again and again. Ah, oh, so much fun, such a great poem. This is the one on the list that I'm most confident about in terms of telling somebody to, in terms of giving them a starting point to get into poetry but as I said at the beginning these are only my ideas and uh, there are so many different ways to approach it. You could approach it by just looking at one country's um, poetry, you could just look at the poets of Mexico or you could look at a historical event like just look at the poetry of World War One or World War Two. you could look at a particular movement like maybe the modernist poets in early 20th century. There are so many so many entry points and they're all just as good as as the others 
and it will eventually start to speak to you. So when that happens, you don't have to justify it. You don't have to write an essay with your thoughts. You don't have to please your year 10 teacher anymore. All you have to do is just enjoy it. And gradually the number of poems that you do enjoy will start to build and you'll start to have this little army of poems that goes around with you throughout your life and they'll just pop up and start making sense of things, start commenting on things. So yeah, it should be fun. But I'll have a lot more links on the website for ideas of places to start and I definitely welcome any other ideas from other listeners about what they would recommend for Poetry Virgins. So thanks for listening everyone. I look forward to chatting to you more online at Poetry Says on Twitter and PoetrySays.com. Bye.